Nearly a century ago, the Archmage Igwilf sent her evil minions to conquer the lands around her abode. So successful was she that the marches of Perrinland were subjugated for a decade, and great indeed was the loot brought to Igwilf's lair in answer to her insatiable demands for treasure. Legend states that the Archmage gained much of her prowess from discovering the lost caverns of Sokamth, wherein was hidden magic of unsurpassed might. It is certain that Igwilv ruled her domain from these caverns. There she also conducted arcane experiments and rituals, trying to further increase her powers. That was an extract from the introduction of the Advanced Dungeon Dragons Dungeon Module S4, The Lost Caverns of Sokanth, written by Gary Gygax. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but this module marked the first appearance of that marsh-dwelling beast, the Frog Hemoth. Welcome to the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. And as you might have guessed, today we're going to be talking about the Frog Hemoth. Okay, so first of all, we're going to start off by looking at the AD&D 1st Edition Monster Manual 2. And in it, the Froghemoth is described as a huge and weird creature found only in swamps or shallow bodies of fresh water. It's a giant frog-like creature with eyes protruding on stalks, a massively long prehensile tongue, and two tentacles on either side of its body where the forelimbs would be on a normal creature. It's described as being solitary except for mating season and the females lay 10 to 100 eggs in spring that grow first into tadpoles. They have a very strong leathery tentacles and can move rapidly in water using their webbed feet. We're told they don't deliberately hoard treasure, but there may be some lying around if they had slain adventurers recently. Mm-hmm. It often tries to attack people from ambush or by lurking below the water. However, if it does get harmed, it can slowly regenerate like its tentacles if they cut off over the space of two to five weeks. One of its most dangerous attacks is that it can swallow people whole with the long prehensile tongue. People swallowed are slowly digested unless they cut their way out of its stomach. Those who were killed in this manner cannot be resurrected, apart from, I think, by like a wish or like really powerful magic, because obviously the body's like been Mm -hmm. entirely disintegrated. Normal fire doesn't harm frog hemoths, but large or very hot fires will cause them half damage and it will drive them back. We also get a paragraph on what's called the Tadhemoth stage. Yeah, I really liked the idea of the Tadhemoth. Yeah, Tadhemoth's got to be like my favourite words since we've been doing these episodes. And the Tadhemoth stage is the immature Froghemoth grows about one foot per month for six months. That slows by 60% until maturity. The early form's got four fins in the front area and two in the rear. It's fish-like and has a vicious bite. After six months, the pectoral growths lengthen into tentacles, while no discernible change occurs in the rear members until the last month or two of the Tadhemoth stage, when they become thick-bowed legs with webbed toes. After initial growth, the creature's mouth enlarges considerably, and its damage score is from 3 to 24, 4 to 32, or 5 to 40, depending on its size. It's wholly aquatic, 
and has gills swimming at a rate of 16 inches and looking at this spread in the first Ed Monster Manual 2, it's a full-page spread, which isn't yeah, the norm. that's quite unusual in yeah. this particular book. It's got an entire page to itself, and it's got two illustrations. Yeah, and these two illustrations, obviously they're done in the typical sort of black and white format of this sort of book at the time, and we get one of a frog hemoth sort of presented fully you know tentacles long tongue eye stalks mm-hmm. the lot then we get another which is just the top of a frog heme so the top of the head the eyes and the tentacles emerging out of some sort of marsh or swampy body of water and i really like this black and white artwork yeah it looks cool i mean the obviously the creature's a bit of a sort of cheesy like throw together like oh it's a giant frog with some like tentacles on it mm-hmm. but the artwork sells me on it to be perfectly honest yeah it it does look like it could be quite a scary creature. I do also particularly like somewhere in there it describes the fact that it's very difficult to sneak up on it because yes, it's got yeah. compound eyes. Mm-hmm. And then in the artwork you can see these three eyes all... Um, not compound eyes, sorry. It, it can see all around you and then you can see it's got the long pupils on the eyes yeah which means it's got a much greater field of vision like Indeed. sheep's eyes yeah exactly yeah it's a nice little element mm-hmm. that they've put in on the artwork and one thing we should also mention before we go on to the next book which is necromancer games tome of horrors we should also mention that this thing is absolutely massive it's described as being like elephant size mm-hmm. in various media so We're going to go on to the Necromancer Games Tome of Horrors. And before Hannah gets into that, for those of you who have not heard of this book, this was a book bought out in the sort of time of the D20 sort of glut of books by Necromancer Games. And the idea was to adapt some of the forgotten first edition monsters using the third ad system. Well, the tagline on the front of the books is third edition rules, first edition feel. Yeah. So that should give you a sense of what they're going for. Uh, It's a much smaller description, but it pretty much covers most of the same stuff. Yeah. Uh, The picture, this time to me, looks a lot more like a real creature rather than a sort of a fantasy monster. Yeah. It looks looks more frog-like, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's it's only got one eye. It's like three Mm -hmm. in the... uh, but it also looks like it'd probably be the least scary of them because you could see how, like, this animal would not do well outside mm. of the water. Yeah. Whereas the one in the AD&D book is up on its hind, hind legs. legs. It's standing yeah, yeah, almost like, like a T-Rex. Yeah, yeah. And... It looks like it could run about the place. Yeah, it looks more like a predator in the first edition one, doesn't it? Whereas this one looks like, yeah, it'd be really, really scary in a pool, but once you're on land and you're out of reach of its tentacles, you're probably not going to be all that yeah. worried about this one. And, I mean, obviously, again, it does have the fact going for it that mm-hmm. this thing is humongous. So on this little picture, it doesn't look particularly scary because it looks like a bit of a frog with just a few tentacles in this picture. So in mm-hmm. the pose, you would expect a normal frog to be in. But when you scale that up to like elephant size, <laughs> I wouldn't really fancy yeah. messing with it, to be perfectly honest. Um, 
Now, I'm presuming that since it's third added, it gets like a load of skills added and stuff like that. Yeah, it's although not as many as you might expect. It's literally got hide, listen, and spot. Yeah, I think one of the things because they were trying for that first edition feeling, like the Tome of Horrors, is mm-hmm. they did include skills because they're an important part of like third edition. But they tried not to go like overboard with them because mm-hmm. they didn't want to get too far away from that like first edition feel. And obviously, yeah. skills weren't a thing back then. So, Swallow Holes is still one of its attacks, and then it's got improved grab with its tongue or its tentacles. That's pretty much it. Right. Well, I know that it did exist in AD&D 2nd Edition, but we've sort of, like, skipped over that, because I had a look at it, and it was pretty much the same as the 1st Edition. (laughs) There wasn't really anything sort of, like, noteworthy to to go into about it so for those of you out there who are fans of pathfinder and i know we've got at least one listener who is i've cracked open my pathfinder first edition bestiary to have a look at the frog hemoth in there mm-hmm. it's got excellent artwork and this time it's almost shark like yeah but again it's still it's still got that sort of standing up on its rear legs sort of leaning forward like as so it's lunging forward mm-hmm. to attack i mean for me one of although i've not really played a lot of pathfinder i do love the artwork they do for monsters yeah. in pathfinder it's always like quite sort of graphically striking and this is no exception the stats are fairly similar to the one in like the tome of horrors in the first edition however it does gain blind sight out to 30 feet which I believe means that basically it can like see everything within 30 feet. So that cover you're not being able to surprise it because of like the sort of weird swivelly eyes and whatever. Mm-hmm. Although, like I said, I'm not really up massively on the Pathfinder rule. So if I'm wrong about blind sight, call in and let me know. It gets a number of feats like improved critical, lightning reflexes, power attacks and stuff like that that make its tentacles and its tongue attacks even more deadly and it gets a few related to like stealth and concealment it's got ridiculously high skills in perception like plus 16 ridiculous stealth score plus 14 or plus 22 if it's in a marsh and a plus 18 swim score now I'm saying ridiculously high. Like I say, I don't really have an experience playing Pathfinder 1st Edition, so I don't know how this stacks up. That might be perfectly normal Mm -hmm. for a Pathfinder game. Again, call in and let me know. Like I say, I know at least one of our listeners loves Pathfinder, so I'm (laughs) sure you can pick us up on that. The Pathfinder 1st Edition Monster Manual describes them as ferocious, deep swamp-dwelling predators capable of catching and eating dinosaurs. So that should give you some idea as to how humongous this thing is. And the fact that its name's the Froghemoth should give you another clue. The book suggests the creature may not actually be of this world and that it always seems uncomfortable or sort of driven into a rage by this sort of being slightly out of sync with its surroundings. But this isn't really elaborated on in this product. They're described as being 22 feet tall and weighing 16,000 pounds. So it's a hefty mama jammer is what Mm -hmm. I'm saying. And like I say, the artwork's great. Absolutely love it. And there's enough little like bits of background and sort of hints, although they're not really elaborated on, that you could easily take and drop as little like mysteries into your game for the players to find out and obviously for you to work out 
that applies to your game but they're not telling you what to do and that's another thing like say even though i don't run pathfinder first edition it's another thing i like about that a lot of their monsters have these these little sort of like easter egg like hints sort of plastered about them ready for you to like fill in and detail up for your own particular game okay so that's pathfinder so how about love we move on to the our final book which is the fifth edition volo's guide to monsters what does it say about it in there so uh this time we've got a couple of changes to its sort of life cycle for want okay. of a better word and we've got a little origin myth that the wizard lum the mad described strange cylindrical chambers of metal buried in the ground from which the froghemoths first emerged, but no reliable reports of the location of such places exist. Oh, it's getting a bit Lovecrafty there. Mm-hmm. Um, so this time, uh, froghemoth just lays an egg now and then, rather than having, like, spawn and tadhemoths for... No, that's it. I'm not having anything to do with this um, version if it doesn't have tad hemoths in it. Uh, and sadly, it describes it as a newborn frog hemoth that grows to full size over a period of months. See, now, I can see why they might have wanted to do that, because in terms of, like, ease of use and ease of writing it in a book, that is simpler just to go, like, oh, yeah, it's just a smaller version of a frog mm-hmm. hemoth. But the fact that it, the first part of its name is frog, and we all know that frogs come from tadpoles... That mm-hmm. sort of made sense in first edition and added like a nice extra dimension that I really liked. Plus, it used the word Tadhemoth, which is amazing. And it also meant that you could have several low level monsters before you faced the high level monster that were indicators yeah. that the high level monster might be around. Plus, as well, it gave you an extra option for using it, an extra level of mystery, because as we all know from like real world frogs, tadpoles in the early stage look nothing like the frogs that I eventually end up with. And if your players weren't expecting a frog hemoth or they didn't know about them and they came across a tad hemoth, they might not even know what it is at first. Like I say, it's described as being like a fish. They might be like, oh, that's a weird fish we saw. And then like maybe they come across some later on that are a bit similar, but they've started to get their legs on and that maybe their tentacles on. And you could sort of build up to that. And it's like just an extra level of like mystery and discovery that you could have in your campaign world. And I'm a massive fan of just dropping little things in and leaving them for mm-hmm. players to discover that's part of the joy of the game for me so now that i finished ranting about that is there anything else in volo's guide to monsters I, I know there was something in there about it having like resistance to fire and lightning uh yeah it says if it takes lightning damage it suffers several effects until the end of the next turn half speed Minus two penalty to AC and dex, or and dex saving throws, and can't use reactions or multi attack on its turn. So basically, it's getting its armor's getting worse. It moves slower. Mm-hmm. It can't attack with all of its tentacles at once like it would do normally, and it can't do like attacks of opportunity and stuff like that. Yeah. It doesn't say anything here about it being resistant to normal fire i think that was just in the first edition one oh maybe I'm, maybe i'm getting mixed up so does it say much about um the skills that the frog hemo has because obviously there's a sort of slightly simplified skill system 
just you know. perception and stealth and to be honest that's all it needs it can see everything and it's really sneaky in the right circumstances yeah and obviously as we were talking about <laughs> multi-attack that pretty much means it can attack with all of its tentacles at once does it still have the like swallow opponent's whole attack uh, bite attack yet yeah, can swallow I can eat up to two creatures at a time Oh, it's got hungrier since the earlier edition. <laughs> and uh, we also have this little section about bullywugs and frog hemoths. All right, okay. Um, bullywugs, if they find one, will do everything they can to basically bring it into their temple and worship it. So, do they can they like tame it or whatever? Uh, sort of. Uh, it's described as it might only eat a few of the bullywugs before it starts following the rest and accepting food they give it. But I suppose, to be honest, if you're like thinking it's some sort of evil god thing mm-hmm. and it eats like a few of you, that's probably well, not going to seem too out of character. Obviously, they didn't please the god. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, wh- what do you think about the artwork that's in Volo's Guide then? See, this one is the most sort of, I don't know, the way it's standing, it looks like a cartoon character to me. Yeah. But because of the way it's been coloured and textured, it also looks quite sort of real. It It's kind of like a Pixar character almost. Yeah. I mean, I think for myself, when I'm like, I entirely agree with what you're saying, love. I think when I'm looking at it, I find that a little bit jarring because, like, the first edition obviously it's, leans fully. It's in. not a bad effect though, because it is supposed to be this sinister, scary, creepy no, monster, and it it has got that vibe to it. it. It's all right. Like I said, I personally just find it a bit jarring. So, like, the first edition obviously leans fully into like the whole like, oh, it's this slightly wacky, sort of weird-looking monster. Mm-hmm. The the Pathfinder one sort of makes it look a bit more sort of realistic, but again, it still sort of like keeps in mind that it's this strange creature, this almost like cartoony creature. Whereas this one sort of bordering on being like a little bit too dark and realistic to me, mm-hmm. whereas you can't get away from the fact that it's still a giant frog with tentacles and like bug eyes. See, this one also to me looks the least like a frog. Yes, there is that it, as well. It's yeah. got these sort of short, stubby legs, but its feet are underneath it rather than being like yeah. on digigrade frog, frog legs, like the one in the last I, book. I, t- I tell you what, the, uh, tell you what the face of it reminds me of. Its head's not really froggy, it's more sort of cartoon alien. I tell you what it reminds me of. The head of it reminds me of the, the plant in Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, yeah. Is it's what it looks like to me. Yeah, very much. Rather than, and it doesn't. Unfortunately, it, it it's lost a bit of that sort of like frogginess for whatever matter, mm-hmm. which is a shame. Cause I know the older ones look slightly goofy, and they're obviously trying to make it look <laughs> scarier and whatever. But I think if you're going to call something frog hemoth, <laughs> it's got to look recognisably like a frog. This is, however, the only one that I think really conveys the sense of scale. Oh yeah, because it's got because he's dude. got two little guys wrapped up in one of his tentacles. And you can see how that's just like a mouth-sized bite for him. Yeah, yeah. You can really see it there, whereas you don't get that in any of the other books. That's true. So I think that's about it for 
the the drill down through the various books mm -hmm. so let's talk a little bit about how we think they might be used in games so let's get a few sort of straight out of the way like the obvious ones you've already mentioned like the bullywogs we've done an episode on them a, a frog hemoth could be like a great sort of like end of level boss for want of a better term mm -hmm. or a sort of if you want to talk like a weird religious vibe, but not really bringing like actual gods and stuff, mm -hmm. having the Bullywugs worship a frog hemoth, you then get to like kick ass and like effectively yeah. kill their god, but you're not actually fighting a god, it's a monster. So you've yeah. got that vibe. See, it's rare that I see a creature that I think would be good for just a random encounter, and you'd have to pitch the level of the group oh, I was going to say that's a feisty random encounter that but, is get that d6 roll I know it comes know, the 22 foot frog emoth it's one of those sort of encounters that if I was to put it into a middle level game I would either expect it to kill off a player character or two so it would be something that I might put into yeah. Yeah. a um, a one shot game rather than something I'd put as a random encounter into a campaign. Yeah. Or I would expect the player characters to telegraph from like two or three things that yeah. I tell them before they actually get in reach of it. Yeah. That it's about and they need to be wary and run away because it's too big for them. Yeah, I, th I think those are all very good points. I think personally for myself, I'd only use it as a, a if I was going to use it as a random encounter, like a wilderness encounter in mm -hmm. some old D and D terms. I'd just I'd drop it in. I wouldn't bother putting it to the level of the player party because, like, certainly in OD and D, like wilderness, mm -hmm. the wilderness is the most dangerous bit because you could randomly come across anything. But if I was going to, because I tend to do my sort of um, my random charts by like area mm. or by like terrain. So if I was going to have a frog hemoth in that area, I'd have like NPCs have like rumours about it, or there'd be sort of people telling yeah. tales about, oh, do you remember like old Tommy, like him and his boat disappeared in the swamp, and all they found were a few well, like cracked cracked boards from his boat. For that matter, you can have signage all over the place that says beware. And the name that the locals have been calling this creature. Yeah, that's doesn't it. Doesn't need to say beware, frog hemoth, but if you want to go that route, you can go that route. Yeah, you've got the old like NPC who was like, oh, old Swampy lives out in the the marshes, and oh, he like he kills anyone he takes a disliking to, and that sort of thing. You know, like all these sort of urban legends and stuff that have like built mm. up around this creature that because they're solitary. And they sort of like, if it had got a larger territory, it might only eat like a person like every now and again who gets a bit incautious and wanders into the swamp because they're not going to go out of their territory. So perhaps the locals sort of regard it in the manner of like, you know, like a Loch Ness monster or like something like that. So that'd be a great way mm. of using it because then you've got that element of investigation again where the players are like, right, according to local legends, we know there's something nasty out in the swamps and they don't go out there or into the deep swamps. But we don't know what it is. Could just be a rumour. Could be something else. Now we're going to go and investigate because we're adventurers. Especially if you drop something in like, oh, there were another party of adventurers. Oh, they were all like laden down with magic items and treasure. And they went to try and get old Swampy and we never saw them again because then straight away the players are like, aye, aye, there's magic items in the, that swamp. Mm -hmm. We need to go in and like retrieve them. And you can <laughs> spin a whole like adventure off that. Oh, yeah. 
So can we think of any other ways of possibly using them? I mean, I'm sort of drawn to that weird sort of metal cylinders-like vibe. You know me, I love my, like, Mythos stuff. Well, the way they look, there's something that you could drop into any game. It wouldn't have to be D&D. Oh, yeah. That could be a sludge mutant. It could be a Cthulhu-type creature. Oh, yeah, isn't it? It could be an alien. And you've got everything listed there ready for you. Bite attack, grapple attack, um, hiding in the water. You could port this into any game as a random big scary monster that doesn't need a background, doesn't need anything. It's the thing in the comet in Mm. Empire, you know, when they land in the creature... Yep. And it flies out, and it's just a big random scary monster. It doesn't need to be all that much more than that. Yeah, now one of the things I was thinking of when you were mentioning, uh, you know, it could be easily be fitting something out, says mm-hmm. I've got a game which is like pretty much 5th edition compatible, which, well, it is 5th edition compatible, mm-hmm. called Amazing Adventures by Troll Lord Games, and that's mm-hmm. basically taking the 5th Ed system and adapting it to, like, a pulp sort of Indiana Jones-like vibe. Oh, and yeah, it'd be a great creature for something like that, yeah, going yeah. through, like, jungles looking for some Mayan temple and these things in one of the ponds. Yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some sort of, like, ancient, like, thuggy style tribe-like worshipping it as a god and, like, sacrificing mm-hmm. outsiders to it. Maybe you've been sent in to rescue someone... Or if you wanted to drop in like a bit of a treasure vibe, maybe in like an oyster style, maybe like all the metal and stuff from like the armour and the weapons that it eats when it eats people, maybe that all gets like compacted inside it to make something precious Mm. that that you could then go and get. Or maybe it like has a gemstone inside it or something like that. And I can really see that working for like a pulp sort of vibe. You know, so going into the swamp with like your torches on like a on one of those um, like skiffs or whatever the little motorized boats and sort of panning around looking for it and then like seeing the tentacles coming up out of the water and coming for the boat i think that'd be quality mm. so can we think of any other ways that it could possibly be used or any other things we could do with it well um perhaps someone could write a song about it yeah and uh, funny that you, you should actually mention that, almost like we scripted it. Because when we were putting up our Twitter poll to ask people what monster they wanted to look at next, and obviously Frog Hemoth was the winner, a band called Loot the Body, who do D&D sort of inspired tunes, at least in part, sent us a link to their track, Frog Hemoth, which is the ninth track from their release, The Barrier Peaks Songbook, a concept album inspired by the module of the same name. And we had a listen to it and we both really enjoyed it. We're going to put a link to that in the description of this show so anyone who's interested can have a bit of a listen. But I think that's about it for the Frog Hemoth for this episode. If you've got any thoughts on this gigantic beast, maybe you've got some ideas how you'd use it in your game. Maybe you have you want to clarify some of the things we talked about earlier, like, say, the Pathfinder stuff. I think, to be honest, I think there's a fairly good chance these creatures will be turning up in my game. But shh, don't tell my players. You can contact us in the normal ways by sending us a voicemail message on SpeakPipe 
or you can email us at rdrpgpodcast at gmail.com. We really do enjoy listening to your voicemails, mm-hmm. and you might get featured in a future voicemail episode. So until we speak to you again, take care, stay safe, and whenever you're playing, have fun. Bye.